MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, March 12, 2020. Today, Super Tuesday 2 results and the path forward, some shocking reporting on the classification of coronavirus meetings in D.C., Harvey Weinstein gets 23 years in prison, Mnuchin had a secret meeting with the ambassador from Russia, Trump's plans to bail out the oil industry, the DNI refuses to meet with Congress, and the appeals court decision on the Mueller grand jury materials. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today is Jordan Coburn. Hello. Hello. Mandy's gone today. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, how, How are you? I'm good, you know, just uh, sorting through all the anxiety around. The coronavirus stuff? Yeah, that's like, you know, I'm a Bernie person, so Tuesday was rough. Yeah. Um, general dismay, that's always present, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> just in these political times. Oh, right, since, yeah. Yeah, since, yeah, yeah. Yeah that, yeah. that is real. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I'm okay. Wow. I am more fortunate than a lot of other people right now. That's very selfless of you to say. Yeah. Very, very nice. You too. <laughs> Thanks. Mm-hmm. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm good. I get to have sushi tonight, so I'm excited. Ooh, where are you going? It's a fish night. I'm going to Yoshino. Nice. Never heard of it. Uh, did you try the tuna melt? Yes. Uh, so did I. Oh, from the... From oh, Porto's. Yes. And I got pastries from there, too. So good. Oh, my God. That was an amazing Amy Carrero suggestion. Yes. Thanks to Amy Carrero. I know we didn't get to the news uh, in yesterday's podcast until like 20 minutes in, but we had so much fun. But I am going to make an effort to get to the news first uh, in the shows from now on and have fun in the good news block. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank you all so much for your continued support and your feedback while we work to form a more perfect podcast. Um <laughs> Patrons can expect these videos from yesterday from inside the Starburn studio probably later in the week. We mm-hmm. just need to run through at them. We should make a podcast preamble. <laughs> nice. That'd be good, right? Instead of a mission statement. <laughs> yeah. We have a preamble. Mm-hmm. In order to form a more perfect podcast. <laughs> right? That's the country's a mission sandwich. statement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the podcast preamble. I like it. And we should like make a song to go with it. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, We do have a lot of news, and as I said, we're going to get to that first, so let's do it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, so as you know, we had Super Tuesday 2. It was Tuesday, uh, obviously, and we didn't get the results because we recorded yesterday around lunchtime, Mm -hmm. Uh, and now we have a a more, uh, like a fuller picture of what went down. Um, prior to these primaries, I had expected Bernie to win North Dakota, Idaho, and Washington by a bit, and Biden would take Missouri, Mississippi, and Michigan. Um, much to my surprise, Biden also won Idaho, Mm -hmm. um, in addition to the three, Mississippi, Missouri, and Michigan. And something else I didn't expect, Biden has now officially won every single district in Michigan, Mississippi, and Missouri. Uh, And I think that the story of every single district in in Michigan is the most important one of those. Anyone who's like doubting, um, you know, if Biden becomes the nominee, which presumptively it seems like Mm -hmm. he will, Mm -hmm. that he can't beat Trump. But Michigan tells a different story because in um, 2016, 
Hillary lost Michigan, uh, mm-hmm. and it was you know split among different counties. There were different voters, um, you know, different counties voting for Bernie, and he won that state. And and there were specific other ones that were split going to Hillary. And then Trump took Michigan by a small margin of votes in the general election. And I think that a lot of pundits and a lot of political experts are saying the way Michigan shook out should have been a giant red flag. Um, the person who wins Michigan. Uh, you know, if you don't win Michigan, it's going to be really hard for you to win the general, I think is what mm-hmm. is what they were basically saying. So to see the the presumptive nominee, and I, and I don't want to call anything too early or anything, to just win every district there is mm-hmm. very heartening for, for those who are worried about Biden's chances against Trump in the general. And I'm also not trying to say that it's a shoe in or that he'll win in a landslide. I don't want to get cocky. I think that was another mistake we made in 2016. Oh, yeah. Uh, and if you couldn't. Yeah. I, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah, there's but, a lot. To but unpack yeah, I'm going to stay too. positive. There's a lot to unpack, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, here's the rundown. Michigan uh, in Michigan, Biden won 52.9 to 32.4 that Bernie had. In Missouri, uh, Biden got 60.1 to Bernie's 34.6. Mississippi was a blowout. It was mm-hmm. 81-1 to 14.8. I still think there might be a few votes to count. But if Bernie can't clear the 15% threshold, he'll net no delegates from that state. Mm-hmm. North Dakota, Bernie won 53.3 to 39.8. Won, mm-hmm. that, pretty, won that pretty handily. Mm-hmm. Uh, Idaho um, Biden took it forty-eight nine to forty-two five. So not only did he win it, he won it by a bigger margin than I than I even if I thought he might win, mm-hmm. I thought he would just eke it out. And then Washington still only a sixty-seven percent reporting. Uh, Bernie is ahead by a couple thousand votes. About you know there was like between three and four hundred thousand votes per, and it's only a couple thousand votes difference. He holds the lead thirty-two seven to thirty-two five, and that huge blowout in Mississippi sort of makes. Michigan, at least in the delegate count, not that important anymore because if you know if you can take all the the Mississippi delegates and you split Washington, then not Michigan, Washington, mm-hmm. then you you know you're still going to be net down twenty twenty five delegates. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I you know Bernie obviously Bernie was hoping to do better in all all of those states, but had he you know had he been able to get a wider lead in Washington and and at least hit that threshold in Mississippi, he would have been able to, to minimize or mitigate the the net delegates that went to to Biden. And Biden now holds currently 860 to Bernie's 710. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to make up that ground mathematically because of the reasons I just explained. Because when, you know, when you, he would have to win by 55%, um, 55 to 45 in, in all the rest of the, of the contests. And when you're not winning... And when you're not at that level already, it, it's hard to reach that level. It's hard to, like, overcome or, you know, surmount that that delegate difference. Mm-hmm. That's just because of the way that they're awarded. Um, Biden made some remarks in Philadelphia uh, Tuesday night. Uh, some called it the best speech he's ever made. He was measured. He read right off the teleprompter. He, I thought, was pretty graceful. He acknowledged Bernie, thanked Bernie, acknowledged his base, uh, and how the exit poll, po- uh, polling is showing Americans embrace a more progressive platform. And he acknowledged we have to be more progressive. And and I felt that that was sort of like a tip of the cap to Bernie supporters. And it, even that night, I heard Clyburn saying, Bernie needs to shut it down, just drop out, shut it down. And I think it's of note that Biden, people in Biden's campaign actually called Clyburn and said, stop 
saying that. I'm really glad they did that because that was a shocking thing to hear. Like, that was for, terrible. Yeah, outside of obviously, I react offensively because I'm a birdie person. Outside of that, the notion of like truncating the democratic process in any sort of way that's unnecessary, I think, is really dangerous right now. Mm-hmm. And especially when we're dealing with these people that are potentially on the cusp of feeling so disenfranchised that they're not even going to come out in November, mm-hmm. that is like the last thing that we should do. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so when Biden called called him up and said, you, you got to stop that talk. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I think it indicates Biden's aware that Bernie's movement is vital mm-hmm. to 2020. And he isn't about trying to get Bernie to drop out. Mm-hmm. He, he He's, hey, we need this to be transparent and open. And we need this to be a, a process that that everyone's um, supporters can get behind and trust. Mm-hmm. And so if you do that kind of shit, like Carvel came out too, oh, it's over, shut it down, turn it off. Bloop, bloop, do, bloop. do you remember when we saw Carvel in the elevator? He was barely standing upright. <laughs> <laughs> that guy, man. Well, he did this, and I was talking to a guy named Sam. I was over at Jack Bryan's house watching the results. Oh, yeah. And Jack Bryan is the writer-director of Active Measures. If you haven't seen that documentary, check it out on Netflix. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And uh, his friend Sam, who's former reporter at Washington uh, Press Corps under Obama, you know, reported, just very very, um, talented uh, journalist, was remembering in 26, no, 2018, when... They, the MSNBC, he called them the self-loathing Democrat channel. He says um, in, in 2018, when the first eastern states were coming in and it looked like we weren't going to do so well. You remember, I think we broadcast that mm-hmm. live uh, from the Comedy Palace back mm-hmm. room. And it didn't look good. And then, of course, Carvel is the first guest they have on MSNBC when those results come in. And he's like, well, that's it. There's no blue wave. <laughs> and that sort of set a negative tone like a self-loathing shitty tone for the whole rest of the night and it it was comments like that that i think made us take a month to realize we had fucking kicked their asses Mm -hmm. you know we i think it it, because i was one of the people that was kind of bluer on that night you know and i do feel like a part of it too is similarly to the 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 young voter turnout for turnout for example it's something that you're just expecting to be such a huge wave like a tsunami right and then when that doesn't happen you just kind of make a quick comment like that because your expectations weren't managed as well as they probably should have been but it did happen i mean we did have a massive blue wave Mm -hmm. but it didn't come until later in the night and we started seeing we have 30 now 35 seats now we've said and, and by the end you know a couple weeks later we get the rest of the results in we flipped 42 seats yeah and we're like fuck we yeah, did good totally on the topic of carville really quick i feel like he's obviously done so much incredible political consulting over the course of his life he's such like a democratic pillar right but at this point in his life, I feel like he's largely just been a talking head for so long that he kind of gets pressed to, like, say some sort of jarring comment that's really fired up. That's sort of how he speaks nowadays. Mm. I don't even know if he really is speaking from, like, a measured place so much as he's just trying to, like, say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. But yeah. He, All I know is we saw him that one time in that elevator, and I was like, "Oh, Carvel, Jesus, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're right, buddy." Yeah, he walked. Whatever. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want anyone. Carvel is like ageist, a very important person. Oh, it's not even about his age. It's oh. about other stuff. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, it's about other stuff. He, it, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. a bit saucy. 
Yeah. So, well, yeah. you know. Yeah. Carvel. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> so then, now, that night, Bernie flew home uh, to, to Vermont, and a lot of people read into that, like, oh, he's admitting defeat. But both Biden and Bernie canceled their rallies in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you're a Bernie, where, where else are you going to go? Mm-hmm. So he went home, uh, although Biden did go to Philadelphia, uh, a Bernie was supposed to go to Florida, but he canceled that because I think it was just part of canceling, you know, canceling the events because of coronavirus. But Bernie made some remarks today on Wednesday, and I noted some very big differences in his comments from how he how he normally addresses uh, his base to today. He didn't attack Biden at all. He didn't go. uh, He didn't talk about the bankruptcy battles. He didn't talk about the Iraq war vote. He didn't talk about you know, basically all the stuff he normally goes after Joe for. He acknowledged he's losing, uh, but pointed out, just as Joe did, Americans support his progressive ideas. Uh, and that is what he said he's hearing from from all voters, from all exit polls, that they that they want the more progressive platform, but they think Joe Biden is the, you know, the one who can beat Trump. And he opened actually by attacking Trump. And said he will fight tooth and nail to get him out of office. But he was really, you know, he talked, he he, he basically said, Joe, I'm going to ask you in the debate on Sunday, are you going to promise us Medicare for all? Tell me you're not going to veto that. You got to do this. You have to do that. These are the things you have to do to give the Americans in my movement what they want and what other what a lot of other people who did vote for you want as well. Uh, because that is the feeling across the board. Everybody loves these more progressive ideas, Medicare for all, maybe not necessarily abolishing the private insurance industry like right off the bat, but mm-hmm. you know, Medicare for all, $15 minimum wage, attacking the climate crisis head on and dealing with wealth inequality mm-hmm. and income inequality. And he, he called Joe to the, to the carpet and he said, I'm in, that's what I'm going to ask you on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said he looks forward to the debate uh, and is staying in the race. And so uh he he i thought that was a very graceful set of remarks and i thought i feel like he and biden are on the same page and i'm mm-hmm. really interested to see what happens on sunday how they handle this debate because i think it will be less attacking and it'll be more about bernie assuring that biden will make you know have these progressive big tent movement ideas uh, the, and platforms like i i really think that uh, Bernie is even going to uh, push Joe more to the left and make sure that his base is satisfied with what Joe's running on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that that was really, uh, I thought that was really great. I thought both of their remarks were really great. And the debate's going to be interesting. There's not going to be a crowd there, so we don't have to deal with, you know, cheering sections fucking up how you mm-hmm. perceive <laughs> the answers. Um, but I think they'll be less attacking from both sides because Biden knows he has to respect Bernie and respect Bernie's base. Um, and, and Bernie is, sees the writing on the wall. The math is improbable for him. It's not Mm -hmm. impossible, but it's unlikely. So I think the goal now, at least indicated by both candidates is for Biden to adopt a more progressive platform to honor the movement Bernie has built. And I, I, I'm hoping that's what'll happen. That's where my hope is. Yeah, I agree. And I think both of them now, as everything stands, are both in a position to gain that they were not in before. So like you said, Bernie's in a position to get part of his platform adopted into Biden's campaign. Biden's in a position to just really be a leader at this point and try to get as many people under his umbrella as he can. And I think you're right. It's it's I very much doubt Bernie is thinking, you know, this is still a competition. 
Mm-mm. And I think that that's going to be reflected in how they talk to each other. Yeah, and I'm also wary of people who are like, oh, Bernie's just an egotistical blowhard. He's never going to drop out. He wants to wreck everything, you know. And I don't think that that's the case at all. I didn't, that is opposite of what he said today. Yeah, he's a progressive watchdog essentially right now that's constantly on top of people like, hey, don't fucking forget this shit. I'm not going to let you forget this. That's what he's been doing his whole life. And I think he's just going to keep doing that. And also, if he dropped out, that would be really sad for all of his base that believes in him so much and Mm -hmm. largely has been mobilized some of them most of them probably a lot of them for the first time in their life like the young ones yeah and to see him drop out even though technically you know the race isn't done yet i think that would be sad for them Mm -hmm. and i think he knows that too i think he will at some point drop out and i i i think you know we need to be prepared for that yeah well i don't know how many separate primary dates there are exactly i need to look at that well the next one is um tuesday Mm -hmm. and it's florida ohio arizona and illinois Mm -hmm. it's a really bad map for bernie Mm -hmm. um but i i mean even if he does go to the convention he's not going to get the nomination at the convention at some point he will not be uh, presumptively yeah he will not be the nominee. And so I don't know that it'll be any less sad. Do you think it would be less hard if he made it to the, if he at least got to the convention and, and, and conceded? Or if you, it would it be more sad if he dropped out sooner than that? I think outside of the word sad, the disenfranchising element of it is the one that's actually or most important. Or yeah. upset or yeah, I feel like... Have the, whatever adverse feelings, yes. however, however you want to name them. I'm bad at naming feelings. I'm in therapy for it. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> you, know, so you know where I'm coming from. That's so funny. M- um, my doctor hears me right now. <laughs> Big ups. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I feel like the longer they wait, if they do wait until the convention to drop out, as long as he's maintaining class and they're not super going at each other's throats and he more so is just a positive voice just continuing to keep his base mobilized and keep, like I said, sort of reminding the American public that Medicare for all is a very normal thing when you look at the global level and at least in developed nations. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Biden has said he's for a Medicare for all. Option, right, right. But which I is know, like Canada. Yeah. But then there's still this fear seeping in about like the veto question, right? And all that stuff. And, and hey, like I don't how, think he's, he, yeah. he actually didn't say that if you, if you watch the video. Yeah, no, I just mean the veto question, like if he, if he would, if it's much more complicated, I, I, I think, obviously, than does Biden think people don't deserve health care? Of course, I think right. he thinks people deserve health care. But I, I do think that Bernie remaining in the race is very important for keeping voters engaged all the way through November. Yeah. I think that's kind of, which is sort of counterintuitive almost, but I am afraid that, that a lot of people would sort of check out yeah. and lose the engagement part of all of this. Yeah. 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 And so that, but, you know, you were asking about the upcoming primaries. That's Tuesday. Um, Florida, Ohio, Arizona, Illinois. Arizona is where the debate is. It's Sunday. Um, I really think now the race is about ensuring that Biden's platform is inclusive for Bernie supporters and he mm-hmm. has to do it gracefully and, and convincingly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 I'm pretty sure despite whatever Biden says, there, there will be people who won't believe that he will mm-hmm. adopt those policies. Uh, but for example, if Congress wouldn't, won't be able to get a Medicare for all abolish private insurance bill to Biden's desk anyway. So it's not even a question about whether he would veto that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but I think he needs to genuinely and convincingly, like the, like the, in the speech he gave the other night, there was a lot of genuineness when he talked to that reverend in that town hall, very genuine. If he can express and, and deliver that same genuineness about accepting, you know, these platform changes uh, and, and, and making promises to, to the to the movement, to the Bernie movement, I, I think we'll be a lot better off than if he doesn't. I think, like you said, there's a big opportunity for a, a win-win situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to offer big virtual hugs to Bernie supporters who listen. I know what it's like to face the very real potential that your candidate, uh, the candidate you support, like with your whole heart, might not be the candidate. I know mm-hmm. exactly what that feels mm-hmm. like. Uh, I knew it and felt it in 2016, and I felt it this time. Mm-hmm. So I just big hugs, hugs to you, mm-hmm. because it hurts. It sucks. Yeah. I, I, again, I'm ba- I'm ta- I'm bad at naming feelings, but whatever that feeling is, it, I want to hug it. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's it. We'll be right back with more news after this quick word. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey friends, it's AG. If you're a fan of Daily Beans, you know I try to take care of myself. I have a very busy schedule. I stay active, work out, try to eat healthy, exercise, and I try to, you know, do some meditation to relieve stress. But that's why I'm so excited to tell you about something I take every day that helps me stay on top of my game. Super Grape Soft Chews from Human. They taste great. Uh, They make me feel more focused and energetic with uh, less of that late afternoon lethargy that I get, which is tough because I do a lot of most of my writing in the late afternoon. Super Grape Soft Chews are a delicious way to give you an energizing boost. Super Grape Soft Chews are packed with heart-healthy grapeseed extract that protects against oxidative stress and promotes normal blood pressure. It also promotes energy efficiency by supporting blood flow so you don't have that jittery feeling and there's no crashes. Just energy the way nature intended with antioxidants derived from non-GMO concentrated clinically studied grapeseed extract. Experience the great tasting heart healthy boost of new super grapes soft chews and get your super grape soft chews at supergrapes.com slash daily beans and get a free 30-day supply with your first purchase this offer is only available here exclusive for our listeners that's supergrapes.com slash daily beans supergrapes.com slash daily beans you'll be glad you did all right everybody welcome back we have a coronavirus update from our coronavirus reporter on on the beat yes and it's just as much as yesterday just as suspected um Oh, great. So uh, probably the biggest headline today is that who, uh, World Health Organization, has officially labeled coronavirus as a pandemic. We had talked about that earlier. I thought that they had done that a couple weeks ago, but they had not, and they did it today, and it's huge news. Uh, it's declared as a worldwide outbreak now with uh, 118,000 cases in 114 countries and 4,291 deaths. Director General Tedros Adhanom. Oh, gosh. Gebriesis? Sorry. Tedros Adhanom Gebriesis. Director of uh, World Health Organization? Uh, yeah, he's WHO Director General. Mm-hmm. Who? Uh, Tedros <laughs> Adhanom Gebriesis. Who? <laughs> I hope I'm even somewhat close. But he said, quote, We are deeply concerned both by the alarming levels of spread and severity and by the alarming levels of inaction, end quote. So I think that that's actually a really big part of this announcement coming out is them also just being like, we need to really make this very clear to everybody. You need to start living life differently, like now. Not to say they're fabricating it being a pandemic. Obviously, it is a pandemic by all definitions that they operate off of. So, but the reason why I think this is being, they're doing, you know, conferences about it and speaking a lot about it is because they're really concerned that it continues to grow at alarming rates and behaviors aren't changing as fast as they need to. Um, there, this, yeah, this came out Wednesday. 
Um, speaking on Capitol Hill, Anthony Fauci, is that how you say his name? Yep, Dr. Cool. Fauci. Thank you. Um, he said it's going to get worse. He's director of National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Uh, so that's bleak. There's now over 1,200 cases in the U.S., and there's still events getting canceled more and more now, just left and right everywhere. At least 37 people have died, 29 in Washington State, four in California, two in Florida, one in New Jersey, and one in South Dakota. So a bunch of things are changing, like March Madness, for example, is going to change how they operate. There's not going to be anyone in the stands. It's just going to be essential personnel, the athletes, and family members. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. As we know, Coachella officially announced they're pushing back to October. Uh, San Francisco's halting group gatherings of a thousand people or more. Yeah. Um, which in San Francisco, that's like everywhere. I know. <laughs> <laughs> everywhere is a group mm. of a thousand people or more. Do you have the story about what happened with Dr. Fauci uh, after that hearing today? Mm-mm. Uh, I had read that uh, at the, the House Oversight Committee tweeted out because they were the ones, I think, interviewing Dr. Fauci and another uh, doctor, I can't Mm -hmm. remember who that was. But when they took a break, uh, the House Oversight Committee tweeted out apparently that those two doctors are being detained in the White House and unable to return to continue Mm. answering questions. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if detained is the right word, but... Halted, not allowed to speak. Held in the White House. Not quarantine (laughs) reasons. Yeah. Just speaking reasons. So that's frightening. That is incredibly frightening, and it's really scary that this keeps happening because this is exactly what we feared when we read that editor or that uh, opinion piece, kind of uncovering how they're trying to limit communication in the background. That's yeah. just more of that. Yeah, on a day that's pretty big right now, and there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. That's really scary. <sighs> on that note. White House has ordered federal health officials to treat top-level coronavirus meetings now as classified. Wonderful. So that's a really weird step, uh, just further restricting the information that's going to be coming out to the public. Uh, that's a, this is according to four Trump administration officials. How is public health shit classified? Right. Exactly. They <sighs> I said, guess it's as classified as, like, Ukraine bribes. Yeah, I don't. And to think of the people that, like, can't go in the room, that don't have top security clearance, but probably really need to be there actually and the fact that someone like kushner is allowed to be there who had but who those can't people get clearance aren't, but yeah but was allowed to stay anyway yeah it's like yeah or he doesn't he technically have clearance they just said he shouldn't have it or something yeah he's yeah, not if, supposed to he was recommended to right. not have clearance and he has and they it. just yeah because he's totally compromised by by foreign governments that he owes a mm-hmm. shitload of money to yeah so obviously that kind of just seems like an arbitrary line to draw in the sand to further control who gets to hear the messaging and how hard it is. That makes it, if you have less people in the room, it makes it easier to cover up the shit that the officials told you. Uh, the officials are or experts, I should say. The officials also said that dozens of classified discussions about such topics as the scope of infections, quarantines, and travel restrictions have been held since mid-January in a high security meeting room at the Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, so that's a decent amount of meetings. I didn't know they were happening behind like, super closed doors like that i guess i should have assumed that especially when every press conference is mike pence telling you to wash your hands yeah like that's what you've discussed in all those meetings that are super classified hand washing techniques yeah exactly and then another thing uh, that's being pointed out sort of is how congress men and women's response isn't necessarily matching the public health recommendations by that i mean most of them are over 65 
Mm-hmm. And they're continuing to meet and shake hands constantly, just kind of setting a bad example to the public in general, I guess. But they're just continuing business as usual. They're not switching over to like teleconference calls or anything. They're just congregating together, the highest risk group, basically. Just- well, Pence came out and said, I'm not changing in the way I do my job. Trump's not changing the way he does. He's holding another campaign rally. Yeah. Uh, and he's not gonna, right. and he's not gonna, and he's telling people just go to work. It's fine. It's just a cold. Yep. So when that's your modeled leadership, then of mm-hmm. course the 194 senators and Congress people that are over 65, mm-hmm. that's term limits, term limits. Um, you have to, at some point, uh, like that's why they're doing that. Well, mm-hmm. the vice president says it's cool. The president says it's cool. Yeah, I agree. I think that's what a lot of people are experiencing. I'm, I myself, for example, are go- I'm going to these comedy shows and I'm kind of like, is this, should this be happening? Mm-hmm. Like 300 people, you know, in a closed room with a microphone. I don't know. The whole thing seems like at the very least inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And then on the other hand, you have entire schools that are closing and universities that are switching over to, you know, over computer stuff. So yeah, and they're kicking people out of their dorms too. Harvard and stuff, they're like telling the students they're giving them till Saturday to move out. Wow. Move out of the dorms. Because they don't want that liability on their hands? Uh, because they, I don't think it's about the liability. Yeah. They just don't want to spread the yeah. the, the virus. I'm like, well, where are you going to send them? Right. Home? Interesting. To their older parents? Exactly. Yeah, Exactly. You have I, to I provide saying, a housing stay stipend, on too, of some kind, I like, imagine. Stay on campus. Everybody gets sick. Yeah. Y'all are college students. you probably be fine. Yeah. You know, work from your St- study them. dorm room. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then you can study them in the lab. No, yeah. and, and and don't take it out into the rest of the right. fucking country. That's, yeah. It just seems like a dumb idea to me. But I'm not, I actually do have a degree in this, but... <laughs> I am uh, as a for a living. I am not an epidemiologist. Yes. So. Well, again, closer than Mike Pence. Um, Pelosi. <laughs> My mom is closer than Mike Pence. <laughs> yeah. Pelosi had an interesting point, though, about the fact that everyone in Congress is still going off on uh, business as usual. But she's 79. She told her Democratic colleagues on Tuesday that the House would continue to operate as usual while carefully monitoring the threat posed to lawmakers. She said, quote, we are the captains of the ship. Uh, This was at a closed door meeting about responses to the epidemic. And she went on to say, we are the last to leave. So I understand that. But also, you don't have to meet in person. You can do a conference call. (laughs) I don't really understand why you have to do that. Uh, Okay, just a couple more stories here. The Council on Foreign Relations canceled a coronavirus conference due to coronavirus. So that's kind of ironic. Not uh, the onion. That nope. is a real. <laughs> nope. It's a real story. That is real. It was a roundtable called "Doing Business Under Coronavirus." It was <laughs> scheduled for Friday. It's supposed to happen in New York. Well, and... I guess they've shown how to do business under coronavirus. Yep, you, you don't. Cancel, you cancel the thing. <laughs> you don't do it at all. Uh, they also canceled another in-person conference or a couple conferences that were scheduled from March 11th to April 3rd. And that included roundtables in New York and Washington and national events around the U.S. So there you go. And finally, this is this is a really shitty just corporate greed story. But Norwegian Cruise Lines uh, apparently have been instructing their employees in South Florida to tell people lies about COVID-19 in order to protect their bookings. So... Essentially, this person is functioning as a sort of whistleblower, it seems. They're an employee there. They said these discussions take place every day. 
And even during our department meetings, managers tell us that it isn't a big deal, that more people die from other things. They're constantly underestimating it. So that's fucking scary. And that's so predatory because the amount of older people that typically go on cruises, too, it's especially out of South Florida. That's incredibly irresponsible, predatory, and almost like elder abuse. Yeah. Yeah. I could see. Uh, rich people. Fuck, dude. Look, look. My first job as a telemarketer selling family portraits mm. at Olin Mills Portrait Studio. Nice. And I would cold call people in their, in their homes and say, hey, have you thought about getting a family portrait done? And I thought, no, that was a pretty easy job. I'll, I'll call these people. Mm-hmm. I'm good. At, I'm good on the phone, right? So I call them up. Hey, my, I'm, my name's so-and-so. I'm with the Olin Mills. Have you thought about having a family portrait done? Recently? You know, we got a lot of holidays coming up and stuff. It's always nice to have on Christmas cards. What do you, what do you say? And I quit that job because the first day I was there, I got somebody on the phone who said, I appreciate your call, but my husband just passed away. And now's not the time. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I hung up the phone. And the fucking supervisor came over to me and like, what was that? And I was like, oh, her husband had just died. And so I said, thank you for your time. And and sorry for your loss. And I hung up the phone. And they're like, no, 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 no. In your training manual, what you're supposed to say is, well, now you know the value of family portraits. Oh, my God. And that I was like, is so disgusting. Excuse me? And You're like, thanks. My 1% commission is not worth not being able to sleep at night. I am not saying, I'm like, I'm not saying that to someone who just had a family member die. Well, that's in the book, though. That's what you have to say. Oh, my God. I'm like, I am out of here. And you know that person that's telling you to do that? It's not like they're making bank either. No. They're just another person they're that's getting, been taught to grab the shit and throw the shit. And I'm that's making all they $3 do. an hour. They're getting $7 an hour. It's, yeah. Oh, my God. Shit rolls downhill. Wow. Well, Good job being principled, and that's disgusting. It was terrible. Yeah. Um, and speaking of coronavirus, stocks are down again today, over 1,500 points after a brief 1,200-point respite yesterday. But now the Dow is in bear market territory. We've, we we set you up for this. We talked about it earlier in the week, what correction territory is and what bear territory is. Bear territory is 20% down from the, the 52-week high. Um, that That's the highest uh, level of, of, of the indices in, in the past 52 weeks. Uh, we are now below 20% of that with this drop today. Um, and now Trump is calling for a bailout of the oil companies, which blows my mind. He is also uh, apparently floating, canceling payroll taxes for the rest of the year, which would defund Social Security and Medicare. This might be his way to get that done for Republicans. <sighs> Those are his answers. But this Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, Joe Biden is slated to deliver an address on how to deal with the coronavirus. He's already put together a task force of really incredible yeah. doctors. Uh, and we will be able to see in real time the differences between these two men who will likely face off in November. Again, not mathematically impossible for Bernie to, to surge, but I'm just being presumptive here. Yeah, something really bad would have to happen to Joe Biden. Yeah. And so th- this, you know, this is he's going to how he's going to mitigate what at, you know, the World Health Organization is now officially called a global pandemic, like you said. And that Dr. Uh, Fauci said has a fatality rate of 10 times that of the seasonal flu. He was he was spitting truth today in Congress mm-hmm. and then got held up at the White House when he was supposed to come back. Trump is slated to give a statement tonight. He canceled a coronavirus meeting classified, I guess, today. Uh, and he's going to give a statement from the Oval Office at 9 p.m. Eastern tonight. That's about an hour from now when we're recording. So we'll talk about that tomorrow. And, of course, the GOB is the GOB. <laughs> <laughs> 
The GOP. Grand old buttholes. Yeah, the grand old buttholes have blocked an emergency paid sick leave bill from moving forward. This block was headed up by Senator Lamar Alexander. So Mm. they don't want a paid sick leave bill. Um, So that is the coronavirus update for today. All right. Yikes. Yeah. So we'll be right back with news on the Mueller grand jury material, secret meetings with Russians, and uh, possible payroll tax elimination and oil industry bailout. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by SaneBox. We are also inundated with email right now. It's no longer about responding to everything. It's about responding only to the important things, the messages that truly matter. And that's where SaneBox comes in. Think of it as like an EMT for your email. As messages flow in, SaneBox triages them, sifting only the important emails into your inbox and directing all other distracting stuff into your Sane Later folder. So now you know what messages to pay attention to uh, and what stuff you can get to later on. It also has nifty features like the Sane Black hole where you can drag messages from annoying senders you never want to hear from again. I love that sane black hole. And sane reminders to ping you if someone uh, hasn't replied to you or your email by a certain date. Uh, best of all, you can use SaneBox with any email client or phone anywhere you check your email. So see how SaneBox can magically remove distractions from your inbox with a free two-week trial. So visit SaneBox.com slash Daily Beans today and start your free trial and get a $25 credit. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash Daily Beans. You'll be glad you did. Okay, everybody, welcome back. I think yesterday we missed the big news story of the universe, uh, that the D.C. appeals court has ruled that the Mueller grand jury materials must be handed over to the House Judiciary Committee. Mm-hmm. Did, we, did we touch on that at all? I think Mm-mm. we skipped by it. Mm-hmm. Um, Nadler filed for this last July under the auspices of, the, of an impeachment inquiry. That is when mm-hmm. I thought the impeachment inquiry was open. Nancy Pelosi officially announced it in September, but on July 27th, Nadler filed a thing with the court that said, under our impeachment powers, Article 1 impeachment powers, we want the grand jury materials from the Mueller investigation. And this decision in the in the appellate court uh, holds it up for the ha- for the judiciary committee, and it was just like we called it: it's two to one in favor, with Judge Rao, a Trump appointee, dissenting. Mm. The majority opinion describes affording deference to the House because of its sole power to conduct impeachment proceedings as it sees fit, and the Mueller report made no conclusions about Trump's conduct, in part to avoid preempting the House's sole power of impeachment as afforded by the Constitution. So you can't have it both ways. You can't have the Mueller report come out and not be conclusory because they have to show deference to the House, who has the sole power of impeachment, but then say the House can't use this for the sole power of impeachment. And that's what these two other judges said, Griffith and Rogers. Uh, Griffith, Bush appointee, Rogers, Clinton? Clinton or Clinton? Or Obama, one of the two. Um, Rao, however, dissented, saying that the fact the impeachment trial is over raises questions about the House's need for the grand jury materials. Even though the House has maintained several times in several hearings and several court filings that it could add new articles of impeachment if the material provided new evidence. Uh, We expect this will be appealed. We... Jordan and I uh, expect this one. I yeah. <laughs> I put we is just. I mean, I'm more neutral on this <laughs> on this prediction. I think that it will be appealed either en banc, which means to be heard in front of the like Trump mm-hmm. is going to come back and say I want all the judges to decide, which would be a, a kind of a waste of time, but it's in his interest to delay. It might he might just do it for mm-hmm. delay purposes because he he's not going to get it past en banc if if these three didn't um, didn't go for it mm-hmm. because I think there's only four conservative judges in in the whole of the dc circuit court of appeals and merrick garland sits atop that court um 
So I, it'll be appealed either en banc or to SCOTUS directly, uh, Supreme Court, and the case will likely not be heard until October uh, with a final decision coming after the election. So that's why it's so important that we flip the Senate and keep the House, because just because we win this election, uh, you know, and flip the House and flip the Senate, we still want to see the Mueller grand jury materials. There mm-hmm. still needs to be this still needs to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not over. Uh, and we learned yesterday from Russian media, of course, that Steve Mnuchin met secretly with Russian Ambassador Antonov on March 9th, and they discussed the current state and future prospects of Russia-U.S. relations and the implementation of plans and arrangement arrangements reached by Trump and Putin during their clandestine meetings in Helsinki and Osaka. Hmm, interesting. Apparently, agreements were signed. Hmm. But we have no idea what those are, and we've heard nothing about it from the White House. <laughs> Do you just get to sign your own agreements in the absence of Congress? Yeah, I have Minute Steve. Does Steve have the power? I don't know. I don't know either. That's but, a real question I've never thought of. Can can they just like be like, yeah, this is this is official Treasury shit. Here you go, sign this without consulting anyone. Well, if san- if Treasury's in charge of sanctions and they have to do with sanctions, yeah, Steve's huh. in charge. But doesn't Congress have to have some sort of vote? No. Steve's in charge of that OFEC list, that sanctions list. Yeah, yeah. And if he was talking to Steve, you know it's about sanctions. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's fun. Uh, And of course, White House hasn't said anything. We've got no readouts. We have no idea what this is. But what we do know now is that Steve knows what those uh, meetings were about. (laughs) Yes. In Russia. That's true. In uh, Helsinki and Osaka, not Russia. Oh, sorry. I don't speak English. I was going to use defense. (laughs) (laughs) He's just going to hold up a sheet of $1 bills and be like, I'm the money guy. I don't know what you mean. Money talks, nothing else. Ugh. Uh, And a senior U.S. intelligence official, William Evanina, he briefed Congress Tuesday uh, that the intelligence community does not yet have evidence that Russia is interfering in the 2020 election to benefit a particular candidate. This is according to four officials familiar with the briefing hmm. who spoke on the condition of anonymity. The briefing seems to have been an effort to temper the message given in a briefing last month. You know, the one where the lady came in and said, um, yeah, they're doing a thing and they like Trump and they like Bernie. And uh, here's the thing. And, you know, Trump freaked out. That led to Trump firing the director of national intelligence and replacing him with his buddy, uh, totally unqualified, Rick Grinnell, uh, as acting. And he has now nominated Ratcliffe for that position. Who's, I don't think, if he makes it past the Senate confirmation, I will just be like, I'll barf on someone. (laughs) And this Tuesday, senators were disconcerted. Grinnell wasn't present for this briefing. Well, apparently, he declined to go to the Hill citing apprehension about his preparedness to address sensitive subjects that tend to upset the president. Oh, my God. That's incredibly blunt. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) That was a really stupid thing to say, dude. Yeah. Um, Thanks, you know. Uh, He asked Trump if he could be excused from the briefing because he anticipated pointed questions from Democrats about Russia. A spokesperson for Grinnell said that the Office of the Director of National Intelligence never told Congress Grinnell would participate. Uh, but that's despite a list that was circulated to lawmakers that he was scheduled to appear with his name on it and his name was spelled right and everything I looked. Amazing. When you're an intelligence official, you're supposed to be just naturally nonpartisan and should have zero issues whatsoever answering any kinds of questions. Yeah. How are you going to be the director of national intelligence in charge of coordinating intelligence among the 17 intelligence agencies and not be prepared to answer questions about foreign interference in our elections? Yeah. The number one global foreign threat. Yeah. 
to us right now. Because you're afraid that they're going to politicize the questions and you won't know how to perfectly answer it. Well, welcome to being in the intelligence community. If you can't deflect political questions, then you're not qualified for that position, which obviously he's not Just already. Take a page out of Bob Mueller's book. I take your question. Exactly. But I, if he I had, take your question. Right. And if he had any sort of experience in any of those agencies, he would have already had that knowledge and known how to do that, if that's a legitimate concern he has. Yeah. and But he, but he actually said, or according to this official who told mm-hmm. Washington Post, he was afraid of upsetting Trump. Number one thing. People are afraid of upsetting Trump. Gross. And it, it's, been, it's been interesting, God. right? Over the last three years, at first you're like, who's afraid of Trump? He's a dumbass. Mm-hmm. He's blah, blah, blah. As time has gone on, there are legitimate fears of upsetting the president. Yeah. You, when you see what ha- has happened to Lisa Page, Andy McCabe, he's weaponized the Department of Justice. You don't want to be on the receiving end of you know Trump's enemies list, which I think is being compiled by one of the Supreme Court justices' sisters or something. Jesus. I can't remember. Um, For yeah. dissemination of their insane base or something? Uh, no, I think just to keep it organized for Trump. Mm. Just like here's your enemies. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> and I wasn't initially afraid of of mm-hmm. working in the executive branch when when he came into office, mm-hmm. but now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he also has not only, I imagine they're afraid of him, but also the amount of people that will go after him that, you know, also. So he's, he puts out one tweet about you and your life. You're fucking probably getting like death threats, getting maybe even doxxed or something like crazy shit starts happening to you. Yeah, well, people are being arrested for their threats to like Adam Schiff, for example. Mm-hmm. We reported on that a while back. Some crazy motherfucker who was like, I'm gonna kill you. You deserve to die. You're. I'm gonna. You'll always be looking over your shoulder. Blah blah blah. Who wants that? Who mm-hmm. needs that? And it's just he. I feel like nobody. I feel like everyone us underestimated how mob. Not everybody. There were people who did not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think people are starting to wake up to how just mafia esque he is and how he operates. He'll fire your brother. Mm-hmm. He'll wreck your life. He'll go after your family. Like it's gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, you know, I, you know, Rick Grinnell is like, I definitely don't want to go answer questions about Russia because mm-hmm. if he says the wrong thing and he's on Trump's shit list. Mm-hmm. You know, he was already being investigated for financial crimes. So <laughs> he would just open that investigation right back up. Won't. And yeah. wouldn't that be that? Wouldn't that be a gem, Amazing. right? Yeah. Like, hey, Grinnell, remember when you were escorted off? No, that was McEntee. I can't keep all the criminals straight. Right. Well, I mean, you know, that's essentially the Hunter Biden thing, giving some issue to Biden over his kid doing some shit. Meanwhile, all of your kids are involved in your administration. Yeah. That's where you were going. But like I could imagine Trump being to like McEntee, for example. Hey, remember when we when we walked you out of the White House because we were you were being investigated for financial Mm -hmm. crimes? You're going to do this for me or I'm going to let that investigation go forward Mm -hmm. and you'll go to prison. Mm hmm. That's yep. why he's surrounded by criminals. That's totally. why criminals surround themselves with criminals. Yeah, you constantly have dirt on them. Yeah. And then when they break the law for you, you have them even tighter by yeah. calls. You know what I mean? Although the type of person that would work for or them vagina. that was not a criminal, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what people exist like that. They're like, I just got a real evil mind. I just have a real strong wall between the mind and the body. <laughs> <laughs> the mind-body wall yeah. of evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, brain of evil, hands of angels <laughs> <laughs> i love it um all right we do have 
some seriously good news today. So, uh, and some uh, fans have sent us presents, and I want to thank them. So, we'll do that right after this last break. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Every Plate. Experience full plates and fuller wallets with America's best value meal kit, Every Plate. Get meals you'll enjoy, they're delicious, your bank account will love you because they're less expensive and they're delivered right to your door. I have tried pretty much every meal kit on like the planet. Most are really expensive, but what sets Every Plate apart is their incredible price point. Every Plate is up to 58% cheaper than other major meal kits out there. One meal is the same price as one cup of coffee, so Every Plate dinners are the cheaper alternative to takeout, uh, delivery, or other overpriced meal kits. And best of all, their meals are delicious and simple to make. They're, they're easy to follow recipes and pre-portioned ingredients take the stress out of cooking. Uh, recipes come together in about 30 minutes, faster than a trip to the grocery store, and definitely st- from starting a meal from scratch. And less time deciding what to cook means more time spent enjoying food with family and friends. Every Plate does the meal planning, shopping, and prepping for you, taking the time-consuming guesswork out of cooking. Never buy more ingredients than you need because the recipes come with everything you have that you need pre-measured already. It's already there for you. The meals are tasty, and you'll save a ton of time and money. Every Plate is constantly expanding their shipment zone, so check to make sure your zip code is included where they ship at checkout. Get three weeks of Every Plate meals for only $2.99 a meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code DAILYBEANS3. That's DAILYBEANS with the number three. That's 40% off each of your first three boxes. So just go to everyplate.com and enter the code DAILYBEANS3. You'll be glad you did. Well, we're blown on good news is on the way. All right, everybody, welcome back. Here's some good news. National Education Association President Lily Eskelson Garcia released the following statement in reaction to the Senate's Wednesday passage of SJ Resolution 56, which overturns the Department of Education's revision of the 2019 Borrower Defense to Repayment Rule and amounts to a significant bipartisan rebuke of Betsy DeVos's anti-student agenda. Uh, Lily says, Ms. Garcia says, could be Dr. Garcia, I don't know, sorry. Today's bipartisan vote uh, in the Senate is a victory for students and shows, once again, just how out of touch Betsy DeVos's agenda is with the American people. By voting to overturn DeVos's borrower defense rule, which punished students who were the victims of fraud and undercut protections for students lured by predatory lenders with false promises and deceptive advertising, the Senate spoke loud and clear in rebuking the Secretary of Education. This is our United States Senate with mm-hmm. the Republicans in it. Mm-hmm. Republicans and Democrats in both houses of Congress have now rejected the rule. The House did this last week, which punishes students whose schools closed before they could graduate. They are saying no to DeVos, whose efforts are especially cruel to the most vulnerable students targeted by these predatory institutions mm-hmm. like veterans, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is why educators around the country today are calling on Donald Trump to follow the bipartisan majorities in Congress by signing this legislation when it reaches his desk. And Senate, uh, so that's a really good, awesome thing that came out of the Senate today. Just rebuke. Yeah. Uh, I don't have the numbers on who voted against it. Probably Rand Paul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for sure, Rand Paul. Cost too much money to not gouge students. Yeah. Okay. God. Uh, and this is good news, too. Senate Homeland Security Committee Chair Ron Johnson has canceled his vote scheduled for today on subpoena on a subpoena stemming from his investigation into Hunter Biden. Quote, out, in, out of an abundance of caution and to allow for time for you to receive additional briefings, I will postpone a vote to subpoena records and an appearance from Blue Star Strategies consultant Andre Telesenko about his work for the lobbying firm. That's the lobbying firm that represented Burisma. Mm. 
Ron Johnson told reporters he was pulling the vote because of some discrepancies brought up in what what they had been told. Quote, there were issues raised. There were discrepancies in what we had been told in one briefing versus the next briefing. And then even greater discrepancies in staff notes. Huh. So a briefing from Telesenko. Uh, no, oh, they, okay. they haven't subpoenaed him. Mm. This was a vote to subpoena him. Uh, just, I, I don't know who gave the briefing. Oh, I was assuming he had already talked to him behind some closed doors already. <laughs> Knew what he was going to say or something. Nope, nope, not yet. So here's the question. Do you think Ron Johnson realized there's no wrongdoing here? Or do you think they're scared of Bloomberg's scorched earth threat? Because remember, uh, we reported this, I think, in schadenfreude or good news uh, in the past week that Bloomberg said, if you go after Hunter Biden, I'm coming after the Trump children with everything <laughs> I have. Scorched earth. That is the kind of place that Bloomberg belongs. More of that. Yeah, more of that, sir. Why not just do that anyway? That's what everybody on Twitter said. I, yes. I put out a poll and everyone's like, both, please. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I would love for that to happen. Oh, yeah. Regardless. Yeah. Uh, and uh Mike, if you're listening, I would run those ads on this show all day. Yeah. Sorry for all the shit we said about you. <laughs> no, I'm not, still, but there's still chance for love. But I'll, 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 take, I'll take the Bloomberg money now. If someone has the ability to turn their lives upside down, please, for the love of freaking God, do it. Mm-hmm. Please. Yeah, do it. And, and I would, again, I would only take it if it didn't mention Mike Bloomberg. It would just have to be an anti-Trump children's yeah. ad. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, why not? Um. So those are my two good news stories. Sweet. Uh, and I think, let's see if Amanda sent us any um, listener good news stories, because she usually does around this time of day. This is a random plug for myself. Speaking of public events that have not been yet canceled, I'm hosting this weekend uh, Saint, uh, Sean Patton at the American Comedy Company, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, five shows. Very good. Yes, I'm very excited. I'll be opening, probably doing like 15 minutes or so, and then comics that are fucking professionals as fuck will come on after me. <laughs> <laughs> Prof AF. Uh, cool. American Comedy Company, San yes, Diego. Yes, get your tickets at their website. Do it. Do it. All right, from Vicky Tip, good news from Colorado. Our Democratic governor, Jared Polis, gave such a great speech yesterday outlining everything he's doing for residents in this pandemic crisis, including opening up drive through testing. One of the test sites is already up and running in Denver. Google for more info. I love him. Thank you very much, Vicky. From Lexi Overstreet, Oregon is a closed primary for registered Democrats only, and a lot of people don't know that. I canvassed last week, and 10% of the doors I knocked on updated their registration on the spot. Good news. Nice. Nice. Uh, from Twitter user Neutral Insult. I got a new job working with youth volunteers at a zoo where I get to develop them into young adults who are active in their communities politically and conserv- conserv- conservationally. I can't wait to create more political activists who care about the environment. Yay. That's cool. I love the zoo. Yeah. Uh, from Twitter user KWagner66, I am a regular blood donor, and today, for the first time, I got a message letting me know that my donation has helped someone who needed a transfusion. Whoa. Knowing that I gave some of myself to help someone is good for the soul. That's so cool. That's neat that they tell you. Yes. Who ha- the ability of some administrations to run so much better than others blows my mind. I know. It's like these people are not only saving lives, they're sending thank you notes. That's so fucking great. That's insane. Uh, did you did, did you see the guy who whose son died in a motorcycle accident and and his heart was given? Uh, mm-hmm. He was an organ donor, and the person who got his heart sent the man the sent the other guy's father a teddy bear with a recording of his heartbeat in it oh my god oh god wow 
I have goosebumps from that. Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, from Twitter user Resistance Schnauzers. Uh, that's one of the best names. Uh, I remember Resistance Schnauzers. Uh, my Schnauzer, little one, just had a mastectomy for a malignant tumor. Histology came back today with the best news. Biopsy was a false positive. It was benign, and she is cancer-free. Yay. Yay, Schnauzers. Oh, that's good. Um, do you have any final thoughts before I do? Because my final thought is some schadenfreude. Oh, great. Um, let's see. I think I kind of slept slept mine in there. Oh, slipped, slipped in there mine in yeah. there. Yeah. I cannot talk today. That's all right. Yeah. It's a tough day. It is a tough day. Hugs. Yeah. Of course, I've convinced myself that I have coronavirus. So, but like yeah, air hugs, yeah. coronavirus hugs. Yeah. Um, Three meters away. Yeah. I'm all good. All right. Thank you. Well, let's do uh, my final thoughts with a little schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. Today's schadenfreude goes out to any woman, any man, any person who has ever been sexually harassed, abused, assaulted, or raped that never saw justice, either because no one believed you or because you were threatened that if you reported it, you would be retaliated against or because you didn't know your attacker or because you felt such intense self-blame or shame that you just hid it from the world. Today, Harvey Weinstein was sentenced to 23 years. He will die in prison and he still has to face charges in Los Angeles. So this justice is your justice. It's our justice. And I hope it sends a stark message to predators the world over that no person is going to take your shit anymore. That's my final thought. Thank you. So that's it. That's our show. So everyone, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Oh, no. One more thing. We got presents today. And I have to say thank you. Yeah, so many presents. First of all, remember when the guy who was my postmate answered the door and told me to take off my robe? Yeah, speaking of predators. Yep. Uh, AG, here's a new robe to help delivery people know who they're dealing with. No one messes with our beans from a fan in Newport Beach. And we were sent boxing robes. (laughs) So cool. (laughs) So fucking awesome. So that's from an anonymous fan in Newport Beach. And we got a case of wine. We got some Cobb Francs and we got some rosés and a petite and uh, a Grenache. And it was from Ian at, I believe it's uh, Chewaller Cannon Winery. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But in Salinas, uh, happy belated Christmas. Thank you for all that you do. It's a crazy time and, and you keep me informed and not so angry. Be well. Enjoy a glass, Ian. That's so nice. And he gave us he gave me two guitar picks with his face on it too. Aww. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. And somebody sent us a giant bag of cookies with glitter bombs inside. Yes. Uh and uh three giant chocolate bars. Oh my god. So <laughs> I needed all of that today so badly. Same. I love you guys all. Yeah. So. Thank you. Thank you so much. We're gonna enjoy that thoroughly uh and now i'm probably gonna have to go watch trump give a speech <laughs> i think he might declare a national emergency hmm. i've heard i've heard rumors interesting so we'll see what happens i'm, I'm not gonna put beans on that but yeah because i just he's not he doesn't what time does he talk uh in about 15 minutes from now damn so we'll see what happens and then i go get to go have sushi yeah and then enjoy some chocolate and cookies and wine yay it's good night perfect and wear my boxing robe Yes. Thank you again. And let me try again. Uh, everyone, please take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Doran Coburn. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn and Amanda Reeder. 
Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.